consequences are the outcome of our choice. It is written here in the book of James that selfish behavior that does not consider love for God nor love for man, but is desire to satisfy the carnal lust brings forth sin which leads to death. This morning, we will have a look at a few case studies. The case studies we'll examine are directly from the pages of the Bible, from the inspired historical writings of Moses. The people are real, their story is genuine. We will investigate further the ABCs of the Lord's behavior and consequences. We will take this time this morning to review, reflect, and seek to gain acquired wisdom so we, my friends, do not make the same mistakes. In your Bibles, please turn with me. Six and eleven as well. And verse six says, Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. And eleven twelve reads. Now all these things happen unto them for examples, and they are written for our, our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore let him that stand, that thinketh he stands, take heed lest he falls. Our first case study this morning is Adam and Eve. Here in the garden, Eve lived with Adam. She had everything she ever needed, including a clear conscience, peace, and harmony. There was nothing she nor Adam lacked. There's only one prohibition, one thing that the Lord had warned them. The Bible says in Genesis 2, 17, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat of it, what? You will surely die. This text is very clear. Eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and you will die. We all know what happened that solemn and tragic day in the garden. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 2, verse 14, And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Sorry, I'm just having a bit of trouble getting this into order. The meaning of deceived is to deliberately cause someone to believe something that is not true, particularly if it is for, for personal gain. So how was Eve deceived? Please turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3, and we will go through the ABCs of the fall of our first parents, starting with a woman. What tempted Eve? Genesis 3, 1 to 5 says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, has God said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die, for God does know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes will be opened, and you shall be as gods, 
knowing good and evil. So what allurement attracted Eve? How was Eve led into temptation? Eve entered into a conversation with the serpent who spoke doubt, disbelief, and distorted the truth, which was delivered to her directly by God and holy angels. Let's take a closer look at their dialogue. In Genesis 3.1, we read, And he said to the woman, and aroused her curiosity and captivated her attention. And in Genesis 3, 2, 3, 2, it says, And the woman said unto the serpent, and she enters into controversy with Satan. And Genesis 3, 4 says, And the serpent said to the woman, And here's where Satan deceived her with the miserable deception that Eve would be elevated in wisdom, which was independent from God. We are told in Genesis 2.28 that God blessed them, Adam and Eve, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So we read here that they were to have dominion over every living thing on the earth. And in one day, perhaps a few hours, or even in one hour, we learn that in a sense, the serpent, that living thing that moves upon the earth, usurped its dominion over her. Of course, we know the instigator behind this was Satan, but this talking serpent should have immediately raised alarm bells for Eve. This allurement led to the following behavior. And the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. So she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave it also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Eve's allurement or temptation led her to reason that there was nothing to fear and all the warnings that were given to her from God and the angels were thrown to the wind. She saw that the tree was good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desired to make one wise. Eve ate of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, and not only did she eat, but she also gave the forbidden fruit to her husband, and he ate too. Eve's self-centered choice resulted in her influencing Adam to do the same. Eve became just like her deceiver, Lucifer. You see, Lucifer's rebellion in heaven was all about him. He even took one third of the angels down with him, just as Eve now took down Adam. Eve, beautiful and subtle, just like the serpent, seduced Adam to the forbidden fruit, and they both were plunged into sin. The choice was theirs, and this was a consequence. And the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. 
equals to see what many people are today, to believe that unrestricted freedom to do what she reasoned would bring her to a level of enlightened wisdom and elevated happiness. However, the fruit of sin brought them shame, fear, disgrace, distrust, spiritual death, and separation from God, and ultimately physical death. In choosing to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Adam, Adam and Eve exchanged paradise for prison. Satan would like us to believe that unrestricted freedom is true freedom. That we can do whatever we please as long as it makes us feel good. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks or how others are impacted. Satan's mantra is, I matter most. It's all about me. It's all about individualism, my needs, my wants, my desires, and not a thus save the Lord. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 and 20, the Bible says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life, that both you and your seed may live, that thou may love the Lord your God, and that you may obey his voice, and that you may cleave unto him, for he is your life and the length of your days. You will notice in the above slides the droplets of water which create water rings that push out and have a ripple effect on the water. This illustrates the ripple effect our choices have on others, which can be a blessing or a curse depending on the choices that we make. My friends, take heed. When the enemy comes to tempt you, remember, that sin never satisfies. Our next case study is Cain and Abel, the sons of Adam and Eve. This story is of two brothers. Please turn to Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Adam and Eve, Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again buried his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep. But Cain, he was a tiller of the ground. Cain and Abel had been told by their parents of their disobedience, their sin, and their banishment from Eden, and how God's son had pledged his life as a ransom for mankind's sin. They knew that Jesus, the Lamb of God, would come to give his life for their redemption. They were well aware that they were required to confess their sins over the firstlings of the flock and to slay it. They knew that they were to do this in repentance and faith, knowing that God, one day, would provide the perfect sacrifice, his son, to save them from the penalty of the broken law. However, in Genesis chapter 4, verse 3, the Bible tells us, that in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. The learning here is Cain did not follow the God-ordained plan of love and obedience that was required of him. And in the process of time, instead of offering a lamb with the fruit of the ground, he took of the fruit of the ground only and disregarding the requirement of God. In a sense, his temptation was to worship 
as he pleased. It is interesting to note here that this temptation did not come in one day, as with Adam and Eve, but God's word says it was a process of time. The evil one worked on Cain over time, sowing seeds of disbelief and discord. Cain's false worship led to the behavior of resentment and anger. The Bible says in Genesis verses 4 to 7, And Abel, he also brought in the firstlings of his flock of the fat, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why are you wroth? And why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, should you be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over you. God, in his mercy, warns Cain of his behavior, and he gives him a choice. Do well, and you will be accepted. Rebel, and you will plunge yourself into sin, just as your parents did. The choice was Cain's. God's word was very clear. Cain knew what was required of him. However, the Bible says Cain's behavior continued. And in Genesis chapter 4, verses 8 to 10, the Bible says, And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel your brother? And he said, I am not. Is he my brother's keeper? And he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries to me from the ground. Can you imagine how our first parents felt? I imagine that Eve felt the sting of the consequence of her sin. When the Lord had told her in Genesis chapter 3, 16, that in sorrow she would bring forth children. The Bible says in John chapter 8, verse 44, Satan was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So Satan instigated this first murder. God tried to warn Cain, Cain, instead of believing God, chose to believe Satan's deceptive lies and not the truth of God's love. God must now deal with Cain for his abhorrent behavior. Well, this abhorrent behavior has a consequence. The Bible says in Genesis 4, chapters of, uh, verses 11 and 12, And now art thou cursed from the earth, which has opened her mouth, to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto you your strength. A fugitive and vagabond shall you be in the earth. Once again, my friends, take heed when the enemy comes to tempt you. Remember that sin never satisfies. Our third and last case study this morning is Noah and the descendants of Cain. In, your, in Genesis, Chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, 
and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they took them wives of all which they chose. The allurement here is the sons of God, the believers, saw that the daughters of men, the unbelievers, were beautiful. This resulted in the behavior of the children of God joining into marriage with unbelievers, compromising their faith, and ultimately losing their identity. Genesis 6-4 says, There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, that the same came mighty men of old, men of renown. So, in a sense, they established for themselves their own identity. They were now VIPs, big shots, or in today's language, superstars and influencers. And verse 5 says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the consequences of this behavior is in... Genesis 6, verses 6 and 7. And it repented the Lord that he made man on the earth. And it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repents me that I have made them. So I see here a very clear picture that sin broke the heart of God. The inhabitants of the world were rife with wickedness and deprivation, but God placed his son for their redemption. Yet Satan robbed them of God's perfect love through delusion and deception. This is Satan's pattern. This is the same course he took when he deceived a third of the angels in heaven who were swept away by his revolt and rebellion against the government of God. Satan's lie has always been, and still is, love is love. This love is a selfish, self-centered, and carnal. It is not the love of the Lord. Progression, fluidity, vain philosophy, and the wisdom of this world is nothing but folly, and those who believe in this humanistic, Anti-God relativism will be judged by God, just as he did the antediluvian world. The Bible tells us that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord because he believed the truth, which is, God is love. In the Bible, in 1 John chapter 4, verses 14 to 17, we can read this very clearly. It says, And we have seen and you testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever will confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God will dwell in him and he in God. And we know and believed the love that God has to us. God is love and he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. 
You know, the Bible also tells us in Matthew 27, uh, 24, verses 37 to 39, that Noah had boldness in the day of judgment. It says here, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that they were that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So more than 100 years before the flood, the Lord told Noah that he would no longer have mercy upon the inhabitants of the world because of their wickedness. God instructed Noah to warn the world of his coming doom and destruction. And Noah submitted to God, and he obediently built the ark as directed. Noah faithfully and patiently preached to the people day in and day out. Most mocked Noah, derided, and ridiculed him. But every day, Noah and his family built the ark while the whole world watched on. Each hammer of every nail in the ark echoed the warning of impending judgment to the world. I can imagine Noah crying out to the mob, repent and be saved for God is love. He loves you and has compassion towards you. He will release you from the prison of sin and death and will give to you eternal lives through the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. And you know what? The people had become so complacent and arrogant that they didn't even care. But Noah stayed strong. He believed, he preached, he prayed, and he built. And he made it through the destruction of the world by the grace of God. And this morning, I want to encourage you to, to be mindful of your A, B, Cs the allurements, behavior, and consequences of your choice. Be mindful that the enemy wants to rob you of the truth, God's word, and he will even try to use you in his destructive course. So be wise. In closing, I would like us to humble ourselves before the Lord this morning, to repent and to consecrate ourselves wholly to him. You know, we are living in probationary time. Do you realize that? We are living in probationary time, just as Noah and the inhabitants of the antediluvian world. Are you preaching? Are you witnessing? Are you working? Are you attending church each Sabbath? Are you intentionally serving in church? Every Sabbath morning, when the doors of Concord Church open, it is a message to the world that we still believe in God. And every time the doors of this church open, it's an invitation to everyone to come. Not only to everybody out there, but everybody here too. Remember, church is God's idea. It's not our idea. Do not let anyone deceive you into believing that attending church each week is legalistic. We come to church each week to participate in worship and to praise our God 
and to have fellowship with one another. You know, this community that we have here, this community of believers is very, very sacred. And we don't even realize, we don't even realize the benefits that we receive every week from being connected. But there's so much research out there, and the sermon would be too long to present it, but just have a look on what socializing with one another, sharing the same belief, singing, singing even has benefits. And what about our health message? We, we belong to such a wonderful community of believers because God is our creator. And you know, the solemn thing about it today is one day, perhaps soon, this may all be taken from us. We never thought we would see a year like we had this last one. So let's value and appreciate it while we still have our freedom. So my friends, take heed when the enemy comes to tempt you. In closing, remember, sin never satisfies. Just close with a word of prayer. Thank you. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, we, we solemnly submit ourselves before you this morning. Lord, we are sinners. Father, it's only through your Son, Jesus Christ, that we become saints. It's only through his shed blood and power that we are made whole. Father, we have solemn times ahead of us, but we know, Lord, that our lives are hidden yours, and you will have your perfect work. So, Lord, we humbly submit ourselves before you this morning, and we ask, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit may come into each and every one of us, may come into this church and fill it, Lord. Thank you, Father, for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your compassion that never fails and your long-suffering towards your children whom you have pity on. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.